today, I feel that I have a very, I mean, special message, in fact, in, in the phone train. If you're not hooked up to that, talk to the office and they'll be sure that you get a message by phone. But I want to minister this morning on how to experience the presence of Jesus. How to experience the presence of Jesus. Nothing supersedes being born again. In fact, you, you must be born again. And of course, obeying the Lord, telling others, got to tell somebody, tell somebody about the reality that you found in Jesus. But one thing that I think is lacking in so many church gatherings today, and I, I'd like to even see us tighten it up even in our own hearts, and that is experiencing the presence of the Lord. In Psalm 16, he said something that I think is so awesome. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The path, the presence, the pleasures, they're all from Him, from our Lord. You say, well, how important is that? Well, Moses, the meekest man that ever lived, the Word of God tells us, in Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 and 15, these are awesome verses. All the Bible's good, but there are just places where I mean, verses just leap up <laughs> and shout and say, listen to it and believe it. Moses speaking to God. God said, it's time now to go. It's time, it's time to make a move. It's, it, it's time. I have good things for you. He said, my presence shall go with thee. And I will give you rest. My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. It's a restless world we live in today. I've just about given up on all news media. <laughs> Amen. Uh, it's just... It's hard to get a good night's rest out of listening to some of the news that is coming forward. So let's look at that verse. God said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And Moses said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not hence. Amen. Praise God. In other words, Moses said, God, unless you go, unless your presence is with us, I don't want to go. 
I don't want to do anything. And I'm not trying to be super religious, but I mean, you know, His presence enriches everything in our life. You could never inherit enough money. You could never win a big enough lottery. You could never achieve a trophy in whatever sport that it may be. And the tremendous sums of money that athletes are drawing. <laughs> but you know, most of them blow it and go right through it. And uh, it's not a blessing, but a curse, ultimately in their life. I was just noticing some verses, how to experience the presence of the Lord. Paul said in Acts 17, 28, in him, speaking of Christ, we live, we move, and we have our being. There's not much left, is there? In Him, we live, we move, and we have our being. Paul went further in Colossians 3.11 to say, Christ is all in all. Ladies and gentlemen, He's not just a religious portrait or a statue. Amen. He's not just a prophet that they put on a cross. Jesus wants to be everything in my life, and He wants to be everything in your life. He wants to be number one. In fact, Matthew tells us, as I was taught from a child, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You'll never be content and fulfilled until you pursue, believe, and practice the presence of Jesus. Things, thrills, worldly pleasures can never fully satisfy you. David said it best in Psalms 27, The Lord is the strength of my life. One of my favorite verses in all of Holy Red. One touch of faith still releases the supernatural power of God in our lives. And so it's set forth here in the verse that we called our text verse for the message today. The giving of ourselves, our best, charts a path of victory. Secondly, it embraces the presence of God. And thirdly, it opens the door to all true godly pleasures of this life and the life to come. It's wonderful to have a good marriage, but there, there are limits that a husband or a wife can be to one another. There's an area in your life that no one can be to you but Jesus. No matter how much they love you, no matter how much they've blessed you, no matter how you're related or friendship or whatever, there's an area of your life that no one can touch like Jesus. Now, with that in view, in fact, Paul, uh, Moses so emphatically saying, Lord, if you're not going to go with us, <laughs> uh, cancel the trip. 
No, no. You know, everything we do needs to be. The Lord Jesus needs to be considered. <laughs> I know I'm going to sound, I'm not trying to sound super religious because I, I preach to myself as well as I preach to you. But how do you experience the presence of Jesus? How do you experience the presence of Jesus? You know, what church is all about is the presence of Jesus. Amen. You know, you can come to church and feel good and not experience the presence of Jesus. You can give and give you ought and give you should of tithe and of offerings and still just kind of plunk it in the bucket as the old saying goes. You can sing along with people. Did you ever watch some television programs and, and, and people look like they're bored to tears singing <laughs> whatever they're singing? If there's life there, they need to put some kind of a smile to it somewhere along the way. You can hear the greatest message that has ever been preached, whoever preached that message. But if you don't experience Jesus, for you it was just religious rhetoric. I want to read for you, I want to read for you something that, uh, Paul, would you, uh, I meant to read it while I was, there we go, I'm right here on it, praise God. Amen. The seventh chapter of Luke. The seventh chapter of Luke. Verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. <laughs> Why do you pause there? If it'll work for a sinner, it ought to work for a saint. Huh? <laughs> That's just logic, right? A certain woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden Jesus saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, he'd know that this woman is a sinner. Well, Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. <laughs> and boy, did Jesus nail him. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? 
Logic would say the one who was forgiven most will have the greatest measure of appreciation. However, you know, one bullet will take you out. One sin would send you to hell if you're not born again. But it's showing thanksgiving in our heart. Look at all the millions of people that don't love the Lord, that don't serve God. I mean, things are kind of wild out in the world. That, that's why I, I'm a little tired of news. But I am so thankful that I had parents that taught me the ways of God. Grandmother that prayed over me. And everyone doesn't have that. That's why you need a church. You need a family. I said, that's why you need a church. You said, well, I, I had that. You have it? Pass it along. Share that with someone else. If you've, if you've been blessed, pass that blessing along. Well, there was a certain creditor, and we have the story here. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love him the most. About three or four more scriptures here. Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See this woman, I entered into your house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. And that was just something they did. When someone came to your home, you had water for their feet and washed their feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss. And over there, it's a kiss on each cheek. You, you, you see the custom that is there. But you gave me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many, yes, her sins are many, but they are forgiven. For she loved much, and to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. It shouldn't be that way. But often you see that. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Praise God. I want to just share with you, I've probably preached this message one way or another two or three times over the last several months, maybe a couple of years, although I had no notes right at hand when I was experiencing this from the Lord. 
how to experience the presence of Jesus. You know, one of the sweetest things that can happen to us this morning is to experience the presence of Jesus. It's wonderful to spend time with people that are kind, that love you, that minister to you, you enjoy fellowship, and so on. But the greatest experience you'll ever have is to experience the presence of Jesus. Are we on the same page? Well, we're all there. Think about this. A sinner pursued the presence of Jesus, and her life was forever changed. Church is more than a song. It's more than a sermon. It's more than a teaching. It's more than good works, or it's more than feeding the hungry and clothing those that need clothes. Really, church is all about experiencing the presence of Jesus. Now, I'm not receiving an offering, but I want you to think there are many ways that we can give to the Lord. Our time, some people virtually have no time for God, no time for church, no time for the things of God, some. But first of all, she heard that Jesus was there. Oh, let it be said that this is a church where Jesus attends. <laughs> Amen. Go to Calvary and you'll experience Jesus. I, I pray God that that can be said. She heard that Jesus was there. You know, Mark, the fourth chapter says, take heed how you hear. Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you respond to according to what you hear. All right? First of all, she heard that Jesus was in the house. Now, there's nothing here that tells me that this woman had any reasonable intro into this house. How she got into the house or why she was permitted to come into the house because her track record was that she was a sinner. We got some problems here if the head of the house doesn't recognize who's come into his house. But she heard that Jesus was there. Where he was, the house didn't make any difference. The people there didn't make any difference. Whether she was invited or not did not make any difference. She heard what she needed was there. She heard that Jesus was there, and she came to, she came to give the most valuable gift that she had. Now, again, I'm not receiving an offering, but I'm, think about it. How much time do we give to him? How much meditation do we give to him? How much time do we spend with news or news media or that type of thing? Versus how much time do we spend in His presence? Remember, it's in His presence is fullness of joy. 
in his presence. Thank God for a good husband. Thank God for a good wife. Thank God for good children. But God wants to spend some time with you. I know this is not a barn burner, but I'm going to tell you what. It, it'll get your barn straightened out. Amen. Praise God. She came to give her very best, her all. She came giving a year's value to Jesus. And she poured it out. She anointed him. She came to give her very best. Her all to Jesus. You know, it's, it's such a sad story. I, I repent even for telling it, but it came to my mind. Maybe some of it's of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, a lot of times churches, they receive things to send to missionaries. Missionaries have received used tea bags. Can you imagine... <laughs> Elevator doesn't go to the top with some folks. Would you would you want that? <laughs> would you want something that's already worn out, something that doesn't work, chicken with a broken leg? You know, no. God wants our best. It doesn't have to be expensive, but something that's important to us. She came to give her very best gift. One year's wages, one year, was poured out on Jesus. In fact, Judas, who had the bag, who was a thief, called it waste. You know, this world thinks you're crazy if you give to church. The world thinks you're crazy if you tithe. Just think of all you could be doing with that money. Let me ask you another question. What are you going to be doing with eternity with the one who gave you what money you got? <laughs> all right. So we'll leave that one alone. But this woman, she did not give grudgingly. She gave, the Bible said here in Luke, with much love. Much love. I remember when Susan was a little girl, and she came in one day, and I had a little shine apparatus there, and she said, Daddy, I want to I wanna shine your shoes. And uh, I happened to have on a good pair of shoes, and I didn't have a clue what her ability would be to Mix a child's knowledge of shining shoes with, with shoes. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I had a struggle. I thought, Lord, I like these shoes. <laughs> they're good shoes. I got them on sale. They're, they're, they're valuable. And I don't know what shape they're going to be when we get through here. But I asked her a question. I said, Susan, why do you want to shine Daddy's shoes? She said, Daddy, I don't want any money. I just love you. I'm not doing it for money. Out of a child's heart, that's all she could think about. 
to respond to show Daddy that she loved him on that day. She gave with much love. You know, you'll never regret one minute you've spent with God. Never regret one thing that you've given in the name of the Lord. If, that, that's why anything I do, do it in the name of the Lord. What, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord. And you can't go wrong. No way you can go wrong. With much love. No strings attached. I mean, the strings are not worth it in some gifts. <laughs> Just give it and let it go. Preacher long ago said, if God told you to give away a boxcar of ice cream and someone lets it melt on the curb, but you gave it in the name of the Lord, you'll get the reward. <laughs> That's probably about as extreme as you can get, especially if you like the ice cream. All right. But the Word of God went on to say, she not only gave to him, she washed his feet. Now, that's a humbling thing. That's a humbling thing. I never will forget first time I, we washed feet in church years ago. And I'd never done that before, and I thought, what are we getting into here? But you see, she washed his feet and then dried his feet with her Obviously had longer hair uh, than most or some, but she dried his feet with her hair. The thing that impressed me so much was this. She entered the presence of God. She really burst into the... I say burst into the house. Uh, I see nothing there that said she was an invited guest. She just knew Jesus was there. She needed Jesus. She loved Jesus. And she brought something, the best that she had, to show him how much she loved him. You know, giving touches the heart of God. I want to say that one more time. Giving touches the heart of God because that's the way God thinks. That's the way God operates. John 3, 16, we learned it, many of us, from children up. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. She touched the heart of God with her gift. It's pretty special. She got the attention of God. She had the full attention of the Lord Jesus Christ. And her giving was so pure that over 2,000 years later, we're still preaching and teaching about this gift. How many hospitals have been built? How many benevolent things have come out of people's fortunes? Texas has a lot of rich oil people. 
And there's a lot of names over many different types of benevolent uh, buildings and cancer and all that. And all that's wonderful. But whose gift has lasted over 2,000 years? And all four Gospels record this. You think God wasn't impressed? Uh-huh. You think God wasn't impressed? It was not just a one gospel, one time uh, record there. All the gospels record this woman's gift to God. Her giving was so pure. I mean, she was in her own world. She was in her own world. But the final thing here that I want to share with you today is this. A sign went around the world when church signs were cool, before things had become so perverted today. But I believe it was a church in El Paso or somewhere that said, sinners are welcome here. Just like I said, the young man, God delivered him from that lifestyle. And he got mad at God because his mother died with cancer and he thought God let him down. He went back to the lifestyle the night he went back over in Dallas was the night that sealed his going into eternity. But the thing that I want to leave with us today, the world called her a sinner. How much, what kind, where, I, I don't know all that. I know when the Bible calls somebody a sinner, they're a sinner. In fact, Jesus called her. This woman was a sinner. The world called her a sinner. But Jesus called her forgiven. I have good news for you this morning. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. No matter what you've done, where you've been, what has happened in your life, I have stories that I'll go into eternity with. I mean, that would make a novel seem like a Sunday school picnic of things that I have handled behind the scenes. That's why I'm real keen on keeping your mouth shut because loose lips sink ships. And I remember one particular situation. I, I, I can't take it any further. Of course, the people were here and were here many years and they're gone now. But three people could have been killed if I'd opened my mouth. That's how serious the situation was. I mean, it, it, was, it was not good. It was sin, sin, sin. And they came to my office, fell across the desk and said, is there forgiveness? And I said, there is forgiveness in Jesus. And God helped us to handle that thing to where it turned out okay and all parties 
got right with God, no one was taken into eternity. People have no idea what pastors deal with over a period of time. But Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Who knows where any of us would be but for the grace of God. I want to say that one more time. Remember, any time you point a finger, you got three coming back at you. Jesus paid it all. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, I'd give a thousand worlds if that night had not happened or that situation I'd not been a part of. You know, I hear all kinds of stories. But when it's all said and done, thank God for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for the finished work. You need to say more than the cross. You need to say the finished work of the cross. The finished work of the cross. Hallelujah. It wasn't that piece of wood that did it. It was who died on that piece of wood. And his name is Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The world called her a sinner. I remember a man in our community that uh, it was quite a scandal several years ago. I, he reached out to me, and, and I'm not the only one, but I had some input into his life, and he got his life right with God and got on track. One day someone said, what about so-and-so? I said, he's born again. Well, how are you going to handle all all the newspapers said he did. I said, well, first of all, I don't know all the newspapers said. But I know he's born again. And if he's born again, the world may call him a sinner. But Jesus calls him forgiven. <laughs> oh, Hallelujah. Some of you ought to turn cartwheels down the. <laughs> Jesus paid it all. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Lord, let your presence be in this room right now, Lord. The, forgive me, your presence is in this room, but Lord, let us experience a heart of gratitude an attitude of gratitude for the goodness of our God today. Lord, where would we be? Where would any of us be? Only you know, Lord, if it were not for the grace of God, the unmerited favor, God's willingness to give us his very best, even though we don't deserve it. Thank you, Lord. I give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Oh, would you just worship him there? I'm not going to hold you long, but would you just invite his presence into your heart?